Well, 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 the cucks came crawling back. <laughs> the aggro is bleeding in from the Patreon into the regular feed. <laughs> I feel like this is the appropriate time to call everyone cucks just because we're doing a Witch from Mercury prologue rewatch episode. Sure are, cucks. So, I mean, the I was looking through my notes for when we covered the prologue initially, when we first decided we wanted to do this podcast. And my notes were so bare bones. I like. I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'll go back. I'll copy the notes I made. And then I'll fill it out with the extra details I noticed. And I looked back at the notes I made. And I was like, what am I doing? This is like useless. Because <laughs> we were just starry-eyed and innocent and full of hope. and Like, surely I won't need to write down every little detail. <laughs> mm, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm your host, Maxim. And I'm your host, Alex. And um, this is the prologue rewatch episode. So, uh, spoilers for the entire series of Witch from Mercury. Yeah, the whole Obviously. thing. The whole thing. If you want to go back to a time where we were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and not disillusioned by this plot, go back to the other <laughs> prologue episode of this podcast. <laughs> I wonder how early I... I haven't listened back in a while. I wonder how early I'm like, oh, I'm having a little bit of trouble keeping track of all these groups. Uh, oh, it'll work itself out. It won't. It's going to get worse. Nope. <laughs> and one day, who knows? It'd be amazing if we got like a side story or something that just like took all yeah. those and cleaned it up and made it like another workable thing. But yeah, you want those resolutions and you're not getting them, baby. Nah. But I will say having now watching this a second time, a lot of things are much more clear. Um, yeah. But granted, that's like the prologue shouldn't like, oh, that makes sense. After watching 24 other episodes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that the prologue, if you take it as what it's supposed to be, which is to set up as a preamble the 24 episodes that we end up seeing, it really sets you up for disappointment. But honestly, if you think about it as just a short film, as a random snippet of a world where Gundams exist... And if there was literally nothing that followed it, just this half hour, it's a really solid short film about Gundam. But because it serves this purpose, it 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 doesn't serve the purpose very well. And I wonder, it looks like, a, frankly, it's going to serve the purpose of a show that handles these themes much better, and they immediately don't. So yeah. I'm like, what happened? Because the prologue really talks a big game. And in some ways, it's just an origin story for a sparkly burnout face. <laughs> but it also sets up the transhumanism thing that we're going to talk about and what does it mean to to be able to go into space with a human body and it sets up the earth war in a way that you could like you know uh, i i was really struck by this time around i think the him saying we got to kill all the gundams it's less about oh gundams are dangerous and more it's going to upset the balance of power between earth and space and reignite yeah. the war into fall and it really didn't hit me until having seen where this conflict is going to go and what Shattuck's going to do and all that sort of stuff. Oh, even if they do care about that, or even if there is another ulterior motive for that, it is all within the lens of this balance of power is very, very, very 
slim and hanging in the balance. If there's one little notch either way, it could break out into full-scale war. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, couple things you mentioned that I agree with. One, the short film thing. I was literally thinking that watching this today. It's a beautiful like, short film about Gundam. We, I kind of <laughs> wish we didn't get any more if it was just itself. It's pretty, I know. It's I was perfect. like, this is, this is awesome as a standalone. But yeah. if I showed someone this, they're like, what's Gundam about? And I'd be like, watch this. They'd be like, that's amazing. Is the rest of Gundam that good? I'd be like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cursed by its own quality in that it never, I would argue, even the moments that are really, really good in Witch for Mercury, it never quite fulfills the promise that the prologue is making to you. And that does tarnish yeah. the prologue a little bit. But as a standalone episode of television, it's there's no dead spots. It sets up all of its stakes really well. It's really sad. It's it's Witch cool. from Mercury's Endless Waltz. That's what it is. It absolutely <laughs> is. It's Endless Waltz. Uh, yeah, and we're going to dig into this some more, but before we get going on that, uh, guys, uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Watch from Mercury. We set up a Discord server. And we also added a really low tier. So if you just want to come in the Discord server talk about Gundam or other anime we're watching or just yell about politics, hit us up. Patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. Um, get in there. Talk to us. You can also leave your listener mail in a listener mail channel. So when we announce an episode is coming up, you guys can like leave your thoughts there. You won't have to write in. But if you don't want to do that, you can always write in to watchformercury at gmail.com. Hit us up with your thoughts, theories, whatever you want. Um, we will only respond to listener mail if it pertains to a series that we're basically reading right then. So we're on a break from Jujutsu Kaisen because there's no episodes for a couple weeks. If you send us listener mail about Jujutsu Kaisen right now, we will save it for when the episodes start airing again. And if you send us any Witch from Mercury listener mail... Consider it just gone to time, okay? This yeah. is a, I think this is the last time we're going to revisit it unless they drop a movie or something, which I think yeah. is unlikely. If you really want to say something to us about Witch for Mercury after this point, whisper it into a bottle and just throw it into the ocean because it's going to be the same thing. <laughs> or, it is lost to the sea, essentially. Or join the Discord server, patreon.com slash watch for mercury. Yes, that you can do. <laughs> it's that or the or the yell it into a bottle and cast it to the ocean. Yeah. Your and choice you, is yours. And here's the deal. If you join the Discord server, I promise you there are a bunch of like-minded cucks who also want to yell about what you want to yell about. So mm -hmm. <laughs> and keep in mind as we say cucks, we are the biggest cucks of all. That's it took everything in my power to not make our administrator roles on the server uh, like master cucks or cuck master. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I, I think this is, it's going to be too far yeah, to put it in text. That's the edge <laughs> of the bit is it's fun to say when you write it down, it starts to feel, what are we involved in? Like, yeah, right. So I went with who Hokage. So that's pretty. <laughs> and then I also thought because there's two of us, we could be Kokages. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, so guys, patreon.com slash watchformercury. Get on our Discord server. You can talk to us. We can talk about anime, whatever. And watchformercury at gmail.com. It's a very random anime question. Now, because they have the Hokage in Naruto that's essentially the president, do they have like a Congress and a judiciary, or is it more of an autocracy 
with a direct democracy answering to it. Like, what is the politics of Naruto? It seems like if you're the best ninja, you just get to decide what everyone does. <laughs> okay, so they basically run on dictator, but chill. Chill dictator, yes, exactly. Okay. You have proven to okay. us that you can beat all of us, and you have also proven that you're a pretty all right person, so why not? Yeah. I wonder if you could do a reading of Naruto, like, if you really wanted to get up your own ass, be like, this is actually authoritarian, blah, 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 without meaning to. Which you probably could, but shut up. It's Naruto. Just have fun. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Let's get into it. We have some listener mail that's going to be right at the end of the episode because it's long. And it's from our dear friend, Fergal, of course. But let's get through the beats before we cover that. The episode starts out with Elnora in the cockpit of the Lifrith. Um, she's uh, testing out the permit layers. Um, and she, what I understood from this scene is that there are layers in the data storm. And then there is also like a separate permit score. And so she's yeah. trying to see how deep into the data storm she can get without increasing her permit level. And then when she wants to increase her permit level, Dr. Cardo stops the test. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. They they definitely kind of drop the whole layers thing after a mm -hmm. while. But the but for this, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. And we get the um, we get the iconic panting as the permit hurts her face or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, the main character of this story is Burnout Face. That's, yeah. Permit Rising score is essentially the has the hero's journey here. <laughs> um, they in the test, they're basically trying to prove the safety and viability of the gun format. And Dr. Cardo's like, test is over. Besides, there's someone here to see you. And who is it? It's Ari, who, once again, I will reiterate this point, is just floating through a hangar. With an experimental weapon, uh, <laughs> and also a like a bunny blanket or some kind of there's a she's wearing some kind of bunny something on her back and it's cute but I'm like, what is that? Is it a is it a coat? Is it a backpack? I think it's a backpack, but it might also yeah. be something for the just them to like be able to visually see the kid at a distance. So it's like reflectors on a highway, like you 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 put yeah. You ever seen like uh, the kids in like uh, parks, yeah. like nearby a school where they all have to grab a rope and they all are wearing high visibility mm -hmm. vests so that they can go to and from the park okay. to school. <laughs> so in this world, we don't use those reflective vests. We use giant bunny memorabilia, and we let, but we do let the kid play around the nukes. I think it's pretty simple. I think the rule is if it looks like a cute bunny, maybe don't shoot. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> It's a pretty good idea. Um, so she floats in to say hi to Elnora, who is her mother. Um, she's like, I want to eat cake, blah, blah, blah. Dr. Cardo, um, or Ari is like, isn't isn't this thing awake yet? And Dr. Cardo is like, Lifrith is still an infinite infant. She's a child of all the staff here. Uh, and we learned that today is Ari's fourth birthday. Um, cut to a news report. A about a bunch of companies purchasing Gundams. Uh, people are concerned about the morality of having mobile suits that can kill their own pilot. Uh, the mobile suit development council has been called into question. And we learned that the gun format uh, used to be a medical technology for people to survive in space developed by Oaks Earth, but... Oh, sorry, developed by the Vanadis Institute, but 
Oaks Earth bought Vanadis and repurposed the technology for military mobile suits. I don't know why this was so fucking hard for me to wrap my head around at the very beginning. <laughs> because it's needlessly complicated in telling you the, the tech was corrupted. It's too many steps to say something that should be much shorter. Right. It's like, it would, they bought this, and they bought this, but they used it for this. And also, we're, we're looking at this in the shadow of Gundam Inc., which we know goes fucking nowhere. Because mm-hmm. they're essentially doing the original Vanitas project thing of we're going to make medical tech. But that plot line just into nothing. There, I think there's something where instead of putting this in a news report where the information is blasted at you super fast, yeah, it should have been something like Elnora gets out of Lifrith, and then she and Cardo are like, "Oh, I can't believe we had like we got bought out by Oaks Earth. I don't want to develop weapons. I want to go back to making medical or something." I wonder if this whole series wouldn't have been worse for having just a narrator. If just solidi- <laughs> somebody had an internal monologue and just spelled shit out once in a while. Here's the deal. We are helps. the narrators. Basically. <laughs> basically, we are. I think this is a shame because I think what's going to happen is like every series we watch is going to be, wow, that was amazing. But now that I'm talking about it, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and when you find that series that you can't find a flaw in, that's when you know it's love. That's when you know it's good. Um, let's see. Basically, the data storm hurts people when they use their mobile suits. And then we also learn that these Spacians are spending a lot of money on mobile suits. And the Earthians, this is basically giving an Earthians a reason to buy weapons of their own, which is fueling the tension between the two halves. Yeah, so they, f- I- they phrase it weird where it's like the, the Earthians will have an excuse to expand their military. I'm like, that makes them sound like they're the... St- the the federation which they're not they're essentially rogue militias so right. like i i get what they're saying but also i'm like that line could be phrased a little yeah. better cuz it's cuz it sounds misleading as to who's going to be the scrappy one in this fight yeah i was it doesn't it it doesn't uh paint the picture of like earth is is like the oppressed yeah category here yeah it really doesn't and i also wonder there was like a couple months between the prologue release and episode one, if I remember. So maybe there was like some rewriting that took place I after the pro- prologue got released. I wouldn't be surprised. And it's weird because we've often wondered like, you know, what some of these worst decisions, were they baked in from the beginning? Were they snap decisions at the end? But we didn't consider maybe there was literally a bunch of them baked in as a snap decision after they already started. Yeah. Who knows? And one of those uh, snap decisions that got completely overlooked is in the news report or in the scene where they're explaining that the gun format used to be used as like a medical technology for people in space. And we see full cyborgs. Yeah. We go a little Blade Runner <laughs> for a second. And we talked about this in the Discord, patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. And as how, like, the transhumanism concept got completely dropped, basically. And I was excited about this in the beginning. I was like, oh, it's going to be really cool. We're going to have, like, a transhumanist element to the Gundam series. And, like, they've done it before with, like, cyber new types and stuff. But nothing, like, cyborg like this. Yeah, and it would be an interesting take on the new type in that you're literally a new type of human that is part not human. 
it would be a right. little bit ghosts in the shell, as we've said before. Yeah, and <clears throat> they totally dropped that. <laughs> Just drop it off the side of a bridge. Who? Why? Why? I don't know. We spend all those episodes just building a pair of fucking legs. <laughs> they, oh, this was just a setup for legs. Like the Facebook <laughs> meta offices. They finally figured out legs. Yep. Uh, Ridiculous. Um, Aerie's dad shuts off the TV. Um, Aerie runs in. The room is decorated for her birthday. Uh, Elnora comes in. And uh, Nadim, her father, is like, hey, go get your party hat. So Ari runs off. And Nadim and Elnora discuss Lifrith, that they're like, they can't get it working. They need to turn it on so they can get sponsorship money. So we, we understand this is something that they're working on because they, like, have to. To, like, yeah. Um, at the Mobile Suit Development Council front, a group of executives meet. There's a press conference that's about to start. One of them says, this is the end of Oak's Earth. This is what happens when Earthians get presumptuous. Um, a young Delling is present in this meeting, and he advocates for destroying Vanitas for the sake of peace. And he says, we must wield the hammer of witches. It's a good line. Mm. It's a great line. Not sure what Hammer of Witches means. I don't know, considering he's his whole thing is kill all the witches. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you're like, wow, that was sick. But then you really think about it, you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like, like when it, it's like when a comic has like perfect joke cadence and delivery, but you actually uh -huh. think about the joke and you're like, wait, is that actually funny or were, were we just following a rhythm there? <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've honestly, I've that's always been a weird thing for me, and that my entire time doing comedy, I have never. I've never laughed because of rhythm. I only laugh because of writing. Obviously helped by rhythm, but like I will not laugh on cadence alone, to quote to Brody Stevens. So whenever anyone is like killing with stuff like that, I'm just like, am I insane? This is awful. <laughs> it just doesn't work on me. I'm just sitting there like being mildly gaslit by the entire room without them meaning to. I laugh I laugh from cadence, but only if I'm not paying attention. If I'm like looking at my phone in the side. Okay. I'm a I have the kind of ADD that makes you hyper focus on things, so Yeah, I, it's one of those things so where it's I, like I can't do that. I listen it's or like, I don't. Oh, you know you you see me in the room, you know I'm a comic. You know I'm not paying attention, but if I laugh on cadence, you'll be like, Okay, he's he's listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and no, listeners, we 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 don't listen to each other's jokes uh, all the time. <laughs> no, no. We, we haven't talked much. about comedy since that time we were going uh, to the anime store. And before then, it was just anime talk for a while yeah. before then. <laughs> Pretty much all we talk about is anime. Dude, it's hard. I, I realized I'm like, I'm having like a huge like creative burnout right now. And it's just because I'm so deep in a routine that I don't have external stimuli. And it's becoming like, for writing comedy, it's really tough. I'm like, I don't ha like have enough variety going on because I'm so in my like week by week routine, you know. Yeah, counterpoint. I'm in a routine and I'm happy, and that kind of <laughs> ended up being more valuable to me than like I need new things to talk about. I'm just like, oh, I just kind of exercise and eat right and watch anime and spend time with family. Oh, this is good. Yeah, I like this. 
Yeah, I'm trying to iron out the folds in my brain, um, but try to keep a couple of the folds so mm. I can, I don't know. Hide snacks in them. Hide snacks in them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this either. Back to anime. Back to anime. Um, at Back at Vanitas, um, they're about to uh, eat Elnora's cake. Or sorry, Aerie's cake, and Aerie goes, cake goo, cake goo, cake goo. <laughs> it really I makes love. you want to consider, it, having been on a diet for the last few months, oh, I want that cake. <laughs> Dude, ah. I got my Invisalign in, so yeah. like anytime I want to take him out, that meal has to be good enough that's worth me taking my Invisalign out, brushing my teeth, and then putting them back in. So like, Oh, you got to weigh the pros and cons. Pros and cons, dude. It's mm. frustrating. Yeah. But I will say my teeth have... I brush twice a day. Now with the Invisalign, I'm brushing like four times a day. Okay. And I have never felt so clean in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you, you like kids, listen to your parents when they say floss. You will feel much better. Yeah. You just will. <laughs> I know you're going to fight it because you don't want to. But you'll be like, oh, oh, I'm into this. Yeah, I... One thing that I'm appreciating is like the extra gum strength. When you brush yes. brush along your gum line a lot, yeah, then it's like you your mouth like toughens up so fast, and it's like, damn. Yeah, it's anyway. like I I use a, a a gum stimulator every morning, and now like my gums stopped being a little bit kind of swollen, like they they're they're like hard, and I can see through them. And my teeth, I'm like, yeah, I'm so fucking clean. <laughs> I can lit. I got visuals on this shit. I want to say right now, this is really out of character for like an anime podcast because we're talking about like fitness and hygiene and, and, and like being, clean. being creative and clean. <laughs> okay, um, titties, titties, uh, cat girls. Yeah, right. Yon <laughs> yon. Okay, so um, they're about to cut the cake, and then Elnora's Gundarm falls or fails. Um. Aerie is like, Mom, your arm, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then we, Elnora goes into a thing where she explains that Dr. Cardo is her teacher and also the person who saved her life. We see a photo of them from the past where uh, Elnora has two like cybernetic arms. Um, Aerie calls Dr. Cardo Granny. One thing that is weird about this, again, is like... She pulls off her arm and she like switches a battery or something in it. Yeah. Never touched again. Nothing like yep. that ever again. There we 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 really gotta acknowledge the fact that this episode may have the most unfired Chekhov's Gundams per minute be just because yeah. it's where it all comes from. How many things do they set up in this thing that go nowhere? Maybe they maybe so they many. Maybe they didn't mean to set something up with the arm. But they did, and they didn't do anything with it. And they definitely fucked up the transhumanism thing, mm -hmm. and they definitely fucked up the... I'll get to some points later of the of what ends up being completely unnecessary in the story based on what we're shown here, what they could have done, but in time. Uh, Nadim gets a call from HQ. He goes outside to take the call. The Mobile Suit Development Council is about to hold their meeting, um, and they're like, Delling, he's behind everything. Uh, a transport ship approaches the Vanitas front. Elsewhere in a hangar, a pilot named Wendy complains about the Spacian tariffs. Um, back in the room, Aerie ran off to Lifrith. Uh, she goes to the hangar. 
She yells at Lifrith, just wake up already. D- Daddy and Mommy, everyone only cares about you. It's supposed to be my birthday today. And uh, my note is, like, this scene where she yells at Lifrith, like, everyone only cares about you. It's supposed to be my birthday today. I don't know if this was intentional, but it is so excellent because this is her birthday. And this is also the day where they learn that she merges with the date. She like sinks the data storm. So if anything, this is her birth into Ariel. And then everyone cares about her all the time because she is Ariel. Yeah. The jealousy kind of morphs. It becomes irrelevant because she essentially becomes Ariel. Mm -hmm. It is her body. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like that or if it just worked out that way or if it was if it was an intentional foreshadow. Amazing. If not, fine. Um, uh, the cockpit opens up and Dr. Cardo's inside. She talks with Ari about Lifrith and Gund and humanity's future. Then she brings Ari into the cockpit and makes her turn Lifrith on with her hand. Uh, Ari talks to Lifrith and is like, hello, it's my birthday, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Cardo gets a call that the press conference is beginning and she leaves Ari in the Lifrith cockpit. Insane. Insane. Uh, <laughs> so much worse than like leaving the kid alone in a car. You've left them in a, in a, in a, a ship holding a nuke. Yeah, like, I was gonna say tank, but it's worse than tank. It's way worse than tank. <laughs> so much worse than t- tank that can fly and alter the course of medical technology, and a, and a, and a teetering war. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, at the mobile suit development council, uh, D- Delling orders a Dominicus ship to raid the um, Vanitas headquarters. Without council approval, he's like, I'll just take the blame for all of it. And I was like, this is why this man is the billionaire at the end of all this. Because he has no regard for any of the systems in place. He's like, just do it. I'll take the blame, whatever. Yep, the best lead. I'm not saying I say the best leaders, but the most effective leaders that do horrifying stuff are essentially gamblers. They go, yeah. all right, fucking stop me. You will or you won't. I'm betting that you won't stop me and it'll work. And then you'll... You'll, we all know what I did was fucked up, but what are you going to do? It's already done. Exactly. If you can't, you know. So, uh, the press release begins, and first we have Sarius Zanelli speaking, who looks very young here. Um, he says, the council has decided to freeze development of all Gundam-type mobile suits. In addition, we will forcibly seize Oaks Earth, the company that developed then, them under the authority provided by business administrative laws. Back at Vanitas, uh, the staff are watching the press conference. Cardo comes in and is like, are any ships approaching? And they're like, yeah, just the transport ship. And she's like, stop it. Tell them to stop it. The ship enters the port and it's filled with soldiers. um, And they start blasting. They start shooting everybody. Uh, Sarius continues with his speech. And to maintain order and ethics in the development of mobile suits, we will establish an auditing organization named Cathedra. Delling Rembrandt is their new representative. Uh, Dominicus soldiers and mobile suits raid Vanitas in the front. Nadim can't find Elnora or Ari. Oaks Earth, uh, they launch a bunch of Gundams in retaliation. 
and they engage the Dominicus mobile suits, and they kick their ass. They're way better because they're Gundams. And at this point, I also have marked the sound design in the prologue is way better than the rest of the series. Like yeah. the in the series, I mean, we still have some of the great sounds, like the beams hitting shields and stuff, and some of the beams being fired. But in this, it felt like so much more colorful and present. And when someone launches an attack, it's like deep and bassy and really vibrant. I wonder if they either had more money to play with for the prologue or just more time. Because it's like they say, like for every great band, you have uh, your whole life to write your first album. You have a year to write your second album. Yeah. So it's like that's what causes sophomore slumps is because you have to put something out. You don't have years and years to just sit on it and work. So I wonder, like, is it so much better because they just weren't under the burden of a ticking clock? Or is it just better because it's better? Like, I think it's I think it's because they're not under a ticking clock. I think what they wanted to do is they're like, we need to make a prologue that's badass that promotes this series, right? So what they probably did is went nuts on it. And then they when they were making the regular series, I'm guessing they just took the best sounds that they liked and they were like every time this happens we use this one you know there probably wasn't like a yeah um and just hearing the bow 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 (laughs) so cool and also we understand that like the animators are are overworked and whatnot we're not saying like oh they couldn't have done better like we get it this was the best they could do we get it (laughs) exactly um uh, I wish we another note is I, I wish we saw more of the um the like prototype Gundams. Like we see yeah. them here and then the one episode where Prospera is on Earth and like blows up the hangar full of them, but we don't see them often. And I really love their like missile launchers that are just like a row of like ten missiles. I think it's like super cool. Yeah. Um so the Gundams uh are fighting the mobile suits. And then the Dominicus ship launches the Beguire bow, which is piloted by none other than Captain Avery Kananji, as you may remember him. I, I They dared me not to, essentially, because they made him look so much different. And the same thing with Dowling, as we went, oh, that's the same guy. Oh, okay. They really, they, they should have just taken the same designs and made them look like have more gray hair or something like a, like a Sarius or whatever. Cause they yeah. made chose to make Avery morbidly obese. And that mm-hmm. was why it just is an excuse to make fat jokes, I guess, which is mean, but it's just like, okay, I saw him for two seconds obscured by, you know, the bubble of the cockpit. Now you're showing me again. I'm not going to have a, Oh shit moment. I can't. It looks like a yeah. different guy. I could barely see the guy before. I'm not remembering these names. Like <laughs> that was one thing that got me about this particular one is he's in the Gundam in his normal suit. So all you see is that triangle of his face behind the visor yeah. and we hear his name. And those are the only two details we have. So when he reappears later, it's like wait, who is he? Like Yeah. You huh? could argue he has the same emo hair, but it is a tenuous argument at best. Give him a fucking scar or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was scar. also hoping for a Alcott appearance. I was hoping that, that he would be cool. somewhere that I missed. Yeah, especially because he was a 
he he's matters for Earth. It's like if we saw him, if we maybe caught a glimpse of what was on Earth or something, that might have been so cool. Um, so Delling begins his speech. He says, "Throughout my years of experience on countless battlefields, I've come to one conclusion: weapons should only exist to kill people. There should be no excuses for this." Once someone holds in their hand a tool meant purely for killing, they have to bear the sin that comes with it. But the mobile suits of Vanitas and Oak's Earth are different. Not only do they take the lives of their opponents, but their operators as well. This is not a tool, it is a curse. The punishment for taking a life should be opposed on us by humans and not machines. People must kill or be killed by people. I believe that's the minimum courtesy in the foolish act of war. Thanks, um, Trace Kushranada. <laughs> same fucking speech, essentially. Damn. Uh, this one, like the first time I watched it, I was like, "That's kind of cool," but then now I'm That's like, "Good speech." I'm like, I I guess I don't really. I kind of get it, but it's kind of weird because he's like, "We should kill people, but they shouldn't die while killing people." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is lunatic logic a little bit. And I, I get that he's saying when you remove yourself from the violence of weaponry, it just becomes Cold War stuff, which is, is its own kind of violence or whatever. So it's like, shoot it or don't. We shouldn't have this in between. And I get that he's essentially saying, don't let the robots control us. Yeah. But it's a, it's a pretty tangled yarn ball of what he's he's saying. But it's a well-written speech. Yeah, it's a good speech. Um, we see uh, Captain Avery use the antidote to kill the pilot we met as Wendy in her Gundam. And the antidote is what, of course, the Grassley students used against Saleta in their duel, which is the, the bubble that disables the permit score. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So, yeah, it, the, it uses it to kill Wendy. Um, Delling continues his speech. When we pull the trigger ourselves, we bear the burden of the life we're taking and of his sin we can never atone for. Uh, and then an attendant comes up and whispers something into Sarius's ear, and he, re- he like looks kind of surprised, and uh, I'm guessing that the attendant is breaking the news that they are already raiding the Vanitas Institute before the announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallin continues, In war or any form of murder, that's how it has to be. Uh, Soldiers raid Dr. Cardo's office, and she says, Humanity was born in the cradle of Earth. Our bodies are far too fragile for us to venture into space. Just as an infant has put on clothes, humanity must don the gun to truly go out into space. Soldier, uh, that's just an excuse for a technology that requires sacrificial victims. Oh, it just dawned on me. The show still thinks it's for the from here on out making the transhumanist argument. It's just making it with mobile suits, which is not as interesting as what we wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh Well, they were. She wasn't defending the mobile suit thing. She was just defending. No, what I'm the saying the format. Sh- yeah, but I'm saying the show as a whole. We were like, "Where's the transhumanism?" Like, oh, they the show thinks it's making that argument the whole time because of things like Ariel with having mm. Aerie in it and what. And I'm like, that's weak. That's weak sauce. Yeah, and the this speech right here, the whole, like, we must go and venture out into space. 
I was like, oh, we're going to get some kind of Star Trek vibe. Like, mm. oh, space must be hard to live in. But then during the series, you're like, we are only in space and everyone is just chilling. They're if fine. You, if you move out too far and you get a crack in your suit, don't worry. They have cum bombs that'll fix yeah. you right up. <laughs> um, a little dabble do you. Cardo says, you don't understand what all of you are taking away is the future that Gund will save. Then she pulls a gun out of her desk, goes How to shoot them. How about this Gund? Click, clack. <laughs> yep. And we can only assume they have absolutely pumped her full of bullets. Um, outside, mobile suits are battling. Elnora goes to the Lifrith in the hangar. She opens the hatch to find Aerie crying inside. They power Lifrith on and receive word that Cardo is dead. And then all of a sudden, Lifrith calls back from Layer 33, and Elnora realizes that Airy was the user profile that was able to sync with the data storm. Uh, she's kind of horrified at this. Lifrith launches uh, from the front, and the gun bits just absolutely start annihilating the enemy mobile suits. And this is one of the best scenes in the anime. Sure is. In the whole thing. It's just like... Lifrith coming out, flying out, and having these gun bits just like, just wrecking shit. It's mm -hmm. so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Ari is controlling Lifrith, and she's just like tapping the screen, and she thinks the pretty lights look like can candles, but it's people dying, and Elnora yep. is obviously horrified at this implication. The bug, the Beguire bow charges Lifrith, and um, they collide and wrestle. It uses the antidote to disable the permit. But right at the last moment, Nadim intercepts it and gets the Beguire and uh, basically tackles the Beguire bow away from Lifrith. Nadim tells Elnora to run. The Dominican ship is closing in, or Dominicus ship is closing in. Uh, Elnora flees with uh, Aerie in the cockpit. Nadim goes permit score four. And then he remembers it's Aerie's birthday and he begins singing happy birthday to Aerie as he sacrifices himself to save her. Ari over the intercoms, hears him singing, and she just sings along. And the episode closed with, closes with Delling finishes speech, and he says, and our cathedral shall deny all Gundams. And this, when I watched this, I was like, this is so emotionally heavy. Mm -hmm. We did not get any almost anything of this caliber throughout the whole series nope. except for maybe elon's death yep crazy and, that, and we all know how well that turned out as a storyline yeah they <sighs> i so I have, I have some thoughts about this one is i love that this is essentially a an origin story for a villain because it's setting up why elnora it becomes prospera I do wish they had maybe put in a little bit something where you see she's not perfect because she just reads as nice lady the whole time. So her change later doesn't make a crazy amount of sense to me, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to go with it. And I do like that, um, uh, that, that it's, it's more, it's centered on her and you feel so bad for her and airy and then knowing what's going to happen later. And I also, um uh a couple more thoughts one i realized i probably already said one next uh we never see mercury the entire series yeah so i think <laughs> if it had been 
just some undisclosed part of space that would have done the same job without impl- impl- you know wanting making me want to see another planet. I think what may have made the series work a little better, and I know this is easier said than done because writing scripts is hard, so just hypothetically in broad strokes. You know, we jump then to episode one where we see, quote-unquote, Aerie, it's Saleta, but we don't know that she's a clone yet. And we don't know that her, that the real Aerie is dead and in Ariel and all that. I would have really liked to see a back-and-forth flashback to now with Saleta then back to Elnora slowly becoming evil and training up Aerie, and you would think it's the same kid, you know, uh, uh, like like how Westworld tricked you Ooh. with that second timeline, and then one day, like, it goes back and forth until Aerie just dies, and you're like, what? And then she starts cloning her, and you're like, oh, shit, Soleta's not Aerie. Aerie is Ariel. But if it snuck up on you as opposed to, like, this weird exposition dump, and I think that would have also gradually made uh, Elnora a more less slightly mustache twirly villain because mm-hmm. she just shows up and she's a psycho. Yeah, I think that would be so good. Right? The like having like a, a flashback that spans like literally like ten to twelve episodes, yeah, fifteen episodes of like visiting El- like Ares' childhood on Mercury mm-hmm. and all this, and we think we're getting Saleta's backstory. I would, I'm and very proud she, of that. <laughs> that's, that would be fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going in the version that you rewrite. This is going in the rewrite. Scrap the prologue, yeah. okay? <laughs> also, it, it bugs me that, so we, all, we see that Elnora is a redhead, right? When she's old and in the, in the, in the wheelchair, she's still got partly brown hair. Yeah, what the I, fuck? I don't know why they made her have brown hair. Just I, I always assumed it was a wig, but it's not. So why? How the, did? How, I, I know, don't know. That's the, I know it's the most nitpickiest of all that I've said, but come on, you couldn't have just given her, just show her returning back to her old hair color in the last scene, so that it implies to me I'm supposed to remember where she came from, like. This is like nope. filmmaking 101, y'all. That would make way too much sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which for Mercury, that would make way too much sense. Also, one other thing that bothered me is the scale of the violence in the prologue. Like the they raid the ship and they're the soldiers are just shooting people and there's blood everywhere. We only get that amount of violence when Elon dies, when Saleta does the squish. And when we are back on Earth and the um, the Benrit group raids the refugee camp. Mm. Three times. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. The finale didn't have any of that. Yeah. And honestly, if the finale were as good as the prologue, I would have forgiven a lot. Yeah. I would have still been smart in a little bit. But I, it, you close strong enough and I'll be like, Okay, like, I like all the stuff they do with Evil Prospera. I don't buy that she just shows up and she's a psycho, but I like Evil Prospera, so I'm like, all right. I'm not all right. <laughs> terribly mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, I, favorite, what's your favorite unfired Chekhov's Gundam in this whole thing? It's all the transhumanism stuff. That's mine, too. It's just like, oh, we're venturing out into space, so we need, like, 
new gunned format limbs and bi- like organs that can help us. Yeah. The Star Trek, the Star Trek vibe got killed right away. Yeah. My <laughs> second one is the fact that all the side characters feel like they're going to matter so much more than they actually do because they oh all my get God. names. They all get. They just show up in that weird. Don't go full full dark side, Prospera. We're the ghosts of your past at the end. And I'm like, no, they should have been more like, if they want to pull the Avery move, which is everyone mm. shows up and they look different, do it with more than just two characters, because otherwise it's weird. Like, okay, a Wendy's character design, she has the long blonde hair with the pink tip, and it's like a yeah. big ponytail. Instead of having her get killed by Avery, have her sh- replace Alcott with her. And make her like someone who survived the attack on Vanitas and is now on Earth. And so Alcott was a great character, but he he didn't go any he didn't come from anywhere and he didn't go anywhere. Yeah. If you made like Wendy, if you just take that side character, plug her in that same spot, she came from somewhere. Then it feels satisfying to like, oh, we're reconnecting with someone who also experienced the atrocities of this, you know? I've I've got I've got a good one too. I like that quite a bit. I would prefer if she was Belmeria. She was in the incident and defected to one of the orgs. And it's like, Ooh. did you forget where you came from? And then her, because I, w- I always assumed Belmeria was in the prologue because I hadn't watched it. I was like, oh, that's why they're, they know each other and she's so upset. And then I watched the prologue. I'm like, she's not in this. What? So I think yeah. what they should have done, because I really like your Alcott thing, I think they should have left both... Um, they should have left both of those side characters alive and had one become Alcott and one become the Belmaria role. Ooh, the one, yeah, the girl that gets and shot kill through. And cannon fodder and then the, the grandma, basically. The, it would still be tragic. And the dad. The woman who gets shot through the head with Wendy when she's like, yeah. you need to run. If instead of getting shot through the head, if she got hit with like some type of like detaining like net or something, like, yeah. or like... I'm not going to say cum gun in this situation, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but you're going to think it real loud, but some type of like, um, you know, like some type of like anti-personnel, like non, non non-lethal thing, like just for capturing someone like trapped, replace the, that where instead of her getting shot through the head, which was crazy and dark, have her get hit with some type of like electrical net or something where she's pinned to the wall and she's like, run, Wendy runs. They meet again later. Oh my god! It could be. S- they is they really TV writing hard? Is TV writing hard? Is that's I what I want to know. I don't it, know if TV writing is hard. It's hard <laughs> to say because sometimes shit's out of your hands and you can just do the best with what someone else has given you. So yes and no, but I mean I think they really if they wanted to this is a, a prologue that really could have used doing some just really basic literary devices of you meet everyone you're going to need to know matters later. Everything here is set up for what you will know later. The problem is they gave you a really good episode of television and then just did other stuff. So it feels very. And then as we like to say, they should have had the dad should have died. Prospera should have lived with Ari. The, the old woman should have died and they had should have had two characters. One becomes Alcott because it's a major factor in Earth. The other one becomes part of uh of the, which is the one with the uh, with Elon, the face swapping organization. Oh. So that represents being PL, a part PL. PL. So that represents being complicit in space. 
all of the seeds of the bigger conflict should have little allegories mm-hmm. uh, in and in characters in in this microcosm. It should represent the whole of what we're about to see. And it sets up some stuff better than I remembered it, what we're about to see. Like it's, you know, really subtly seeds in the conflict between Earth and space. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it does a particularly good job of it either because it makes it sound like classic Gundam Earth is being aggro. Yeah. Uh, or, but it's, you know. So I think they should have. It would have wouldn't have hurt them to do a little more, for lack of a better term, like simple clunky yeah. writing to just give you something to hold on to later. Even double double here, if the Dominicus mobile suit pilots, if we got a scene where it turns out they are actually PL Technologies, like and like prototype enhanced humans, Ooh. like they're like prisoners or something like that. Yeah, that they, they should have set up cloning in this episode. Yeah, something with the at cloning. least a little. Or with the face swapping, something yeah. like that. Like, it didn't need to be a lot, but you're right. There could have been like little seeds sprinkled through here. Because mm-hmm. we get, and the, it's, the, it's we we don't have that hard to understand. It's not that hard to understand. Sparkly burnout face, and they really set up what goes into that. And then we keep getting explanations of what it looks like. Sorry, I cut you off. You were about to say. I think the problem is is that the prologue is so good. Yes, and the series is a mess. So yeah. the series, watching the prologue, it's like, oh, we could make, what we want to do is we want to make the prologue fit better with the rest of the series, but it really should have been like the whole series should have fit better with the prologue. Yeah. This, yeah. this is the top of, this is the base of the pyramid, and they were like, wow, we've laid such an amazing foundation for such a cool show. We could do so much with this. And they built like a Bass Pro Shops on top of it. Like <laughs> it's, it's like we've set up this transhumanist kind of Blade Runner, kind of, you know, universal century world where there's political conflict and betrayal and the need to transcend, to, to, to become arguably less human to keep your humanity. What should we do with that? I don't know, low-key Sailor Moon? Yeah. <laughs> this is something in a school? Like... And I swear I liked this show. <laughs> I go back and forth. But yeah, I I, I I do want to point out that us critiquing the the prologue is the height of the dork equivalent of Monday morning quarterbacking. We're like, what were yeah. they thinking? They should have done that. Like, this is our sports. Yeah, this is our sports. I think the how worked up I get out get about this, like I. I got to get into TV writing, dude. I got to start. I got to take a writing Let's class. write a pilot. Yeah, let's write a pilot together. Yeah. I actually would be down for that. I, I'm working on a pilot with another friend, and w- when you really flow into it, it's actually really fun. I think uh, we could we could write a better Gundam series. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gundam, we fixed your shit. And we'll be like, Bandai, if you want to know what this is about, subscribe to our Patreon. For you, it's $2,000 a month. (laughs) It's called Witch from Undisclosed Location. (laughs) Because you didn't do anything with your own goddamn title. Mobile Suit Gundam, Magical Person from Somewhere. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And the last person who has something to say about this is our friend Fergal. Arguably writing with the in most to say about it with the most um he is a discord member so he he got the announcement that we were recording this episode and i told everyone to send their listener mail in and he did and this is all the stuff that he wanted to say that we didn't get to say for the finale basically <laughs> mm. all right 
subject line. Fergal spends an hour ranting about setups that were never paid off. Hello again, all caps. Why must the lesbian giant robot cartoon hurt me so? He said, I've already watched the prologue four times, so I didn't bother rewatching it for this email. Transhumanism. So something I I never mentioned about my experience of the show was that I wasn't all that into what I actually wasn't all into that prologue when I first start saw it. And it wasn't until episode one that the show grabbed me. One of the reasons was I, was, I wasn't so interested in the, into the established theme that humans would need to upgrade with synthetic bodies in order to move out into space. I've seen and read Ghost in the Shell, and I didn't feel, like, feel the need to see it in Gundam. But the fact is, the prologue did everything narratively to establish that the premise of this show was that the gun format was the future of humanity, but the old men in charge of everything wanted to stop it because it would give power to the weak they were controlling. So the fact this is completely dropped is so bizarre that it feels like someone else wrote the prologue and then left the show. Yeah, I hadn't thought about transhumanism as populism, mm-hmm. but that would actually be really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree there. Gundarm Inc. was seemingly just, just making regular prosthetics for people who had lost body parts, which clearly hadn't already exi- which cl- had clearly already existed Hence Prospera's arm. <laughs> yeah. And you could argue maybe it was prototype stuff that not everyone had and they want to mass produce it, but still it's not enough. Yeah. And humanity being unable to survive in space long term without gun is never brought up again, except for it being what was killing Ari. Dr. Cardo's death monologue seems like such like such a this is the conflict moment. And I thought she hadn't actually died because her death is completely off screen. And that she'd be revealed to be forced to work in Benerit Group custody or something. But Not instead, girl, she's full of bullets. Nope. But instead, she only got two scenes in the main show, which is very bizarre for a character who's set up basically as the show's Gandalf. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Um, hang on, take a sip of water. Podcasting with Invisalign is like challenging. Um, mm. Delling's motivation. A lot of people believe there would be a reveal that Delling had an ulterior motive. For wiping out Folkvagner, Folkvanger, which is which is the Vanitas Oaks Earth Front, uh, had an ulterior motivation for ripe, wiping out Folkvanger, like stealing the research for his own agenda, and with good reason because while his issues with a mobile suit that kills its pilot is a believable mo- believ- believable motivation for shutting down Oaks Earth, wiping out the development team is something else entirely that clearly required more ambitious motivation. So it is super div- bizarre that no such motivation exists, and he apparently committed mass murder behind the backs of his then-superiors just because he didn't like Gundams? Super weird for the act that kicked off the whole plot. There was a theory that while Rajan and Kananji's ship was obviously Delling's, the kill squad that arrived on a separate ship actually belong to the Space Assembly League, who are in fact trying to steal the research for their own ends. While that would tie into them being behind the government behind behind the development of more Lifris, it's such a bombshell that if it was the intention, they surely would have revealed it in the actual show. We don't get Delling's motives basically at all, I feel like. Yeah, he's I mean, he's he plot said- furniture for so long. Yeah, he says it in the prologue, and then the rest of what he does seems to be just bad father make money. Yeah, father bad making money. And then he just yeah. 
he sways so easily about the Gundam issue when it's brought yeah. up. Yeah, and and like we we can't stress enough how little he is used in season two. So little. Uh, okay. The Lifrith AI. Lifrith seems to have some some kind of developing AI, which Cardo and Ari has Ari communicate with and describes her as a growing child. This never comes back since, of course, Ari becomes the mindset inside the Gundam. So I guess it was a just a red herring as to what the intelligence inside Ariel was. But what's still weird about it is that Ari is communicating with Lifrith is implied to be how she breaks through layer 33. However, later in the show, Aerie is described as just having a genetic resistance to data storms that Saleta inherited. I really wish they had stuck with the idea that the data storm was something you had to mentally navigate through and not a genetic thing, because that's pretty lazy writing that comes with uncomfortable Randian implications. Oh, those are my worst kind of implications. What does that mean? Rand, like Ayn Rand. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> It's like, who's this Randy guy? <laughs> <laughs> Macho man Randy Savage implications. Famous fascist Randy. <laughs> <laughs> you may recall that one of the theories behind Saleta's origin was that she was the AI that Lifrith was developing. Though I didn't mention that that though what I didn't mention was that another theory that often tied into this was that Saleta was a robot, which came from her being shown multiple times as being notably strong. Particularly, particularly after the school shooting where she lifts a piece of rubble that's as big as her. Something the animators weren't clearly thinking about. I can't help but wonder if it would have been more narratively satisfying for her to have been a gunned android with the Lifrith AI. Although that would come with the potential plot hole of how Saleta grew up would have to be addressed. Would, her being a would... robot or an android would be wild. It would be wild. It it would also kind of be a backdoor into the kind of scratching that transhumanism itch we wanted, because if we had to reckon with the fact that Ariel is a, a has the quote unquote soul of a person, you know how I feel about that. But you know, for character purposes, and that Saleta had the quote unquote soul of the AI before, like if that she was a computer with a human body, and that would be. I don't know if it would be narratively interesting, but like that would be like, oh, okay, we're we're blurring the line of what is a person here, in a way that we seem to both have wanted and been denied. Yeah, and also like the Lifrith AI, like Lifrith is communicating with Aerie. There is something yeah. alive in there, and then Aerie becomes Ariel, and we never talk about it again. They just wipe it, I guess, for for Aerie. So it's like. We have the android thing. We have the cyborg thing. We have cloning. <laughs> we have face mm -hmm. swapping. We almost have too many plot potential Th things this is, here. I forget if I brought this up before. My friend Jay Schmidt, who was my co-host on Broadway Baby, has a theory he likes to call the face-off boat chase theory, which is you can accept some ridiculous shit. These two men have swapped faces, and they now have each other's voices and whatnot. But the second they, the climax is a boat chase, you're like, it's too much. This is all stupid now. <laughs> yeah, I think you get to pick one. And yeah. I think the the clone thing and the face swap thing, that one is what hit us so hard. Yes. If Elon 4 was not a poor Earth child and they were just cloning Elon actual mm -hmm. to be disposable and 
to protect real Elon. Yeah. I'm totally on board with this. But when you were like, Soleta could be a poor Earthian child, and it was a clone? <laughs> yeah. I would much rather it be poor Earthian kids, because I think that ties into the greater thing. But if you're going to be give me clones, be consistent with the clones, because then I won't be mad there are clones. Sci-fi and fantasy are all about jumping the shark. But... Shonen jumping the shark, if you shonen will. Shonen jumping the shark, if you will. I think... I think you can only jump the shark in like one or two directions. Like, yeah. and that's the issue is the transhumanism, the cloning and the face swapping. All those things kind of cross in this show in a way that is like, it would be better. It would be more clean if we just picked one of those things. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like how I like the movie Looper a lot, but the fact that it's like guys who travel time but also psychics are real or like it's a little hat on a hatish. Yeah. Little much. Um, okay. Next section. Uh, things I don't actually think are that bad. I don't mind that the layers never came back because functionally the permit scores serve the same purpose. The layers seem to be the more technical measurement that only the development team were looking into. And that's, that was my thought as well. Yeah. Uh, Kananji was just a pilot fo- following orders. So I think it's fair that Prospera had no in- interest in revenge against him since Delling was the one who really killed, killed everyone she loved. The only question I think is held is if he knew his side was killing innocents or if fighting enemy combatants was all he understood about the mission. But overall, his role in the prologue feels more like a rewatch Easter egg than a wasted plot potential. Yeah, I think it is a rewatch Easter egg because there, all it is is his face and his name. None of his other character comes in. And even in the main series, his character is very um, bland. Yeah, he doesn't He's kind of arc. there. No arc. We don't really even have like... What does he believe in? What if? What does he stand for? He's just there, and he does his job. Yeah, he's and he's not an NPC, but he's a he's a little bit more than plot furniture, mm-hmm. like a little bit. Yeah, just like a hair, much. just a hair. Um. So last section here. Final thoughts. Both the he's prologue a plot spinning ottoman. It has some movement, but not yeah. a whole lot. <laughs> it's a plot lazy Susan. Yeah. Final thoughts. Both the prologue and episode 15, the Guel episode on Earth, are really weird because they feel like they're from a different, more universal century or double O-esque show. And I mentioned on the Discord how I think the Guel episode could have paid off better. A general issue I keep encountering with original anime is that they feel like they were produced off unrefined scripts that expect the audience to fill in blanks for things that just aren't delved into. Like they're based off source material that doesn't exist an example that always comes to mind is the 2016 is 2016's uh izetta the last witch another show about a socially awkward red hair red-haired witch in love with a light-haired princess who uses a giant rifle as a broomstick and gets crippled at the end as she overtaxes her ability which is a strange coincidence uh Halfway through the show, the ambassador of their world's equivalent to America writes to his government that the titular witch is too great of a threat and may need to be destroyed, only for this to never come up again for the rest of the show except for his suspicions of her being briefly brought up in the finale. I've been wondering if this is just a cultural difference with Japanese storytelling, 
but it's really not much of a thing in manga. So I have to wonder if these shows are just operating under really harsh schedules that leave little time for writing refinement. Overall, I'm very happy with this show particularly because the main duo in their romance was so well-written, but I'm going to be forever haunted by the fact that it feels like we were robbed of the best Gundam show ever made. Have a great day, and may your shield be a thousand guns. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's like Excellent said, way to sum, sum it up. It's such a great short film about Gundam that we did not want... We wanted more, which is part of why, it, because it's so good. But what we got was not what it promised. <clears throat> we were inches away, too. Yeah. And I think I think you're on something here, Fergal. Like, the... um. The writing an anime with no source material, like doing an original anime, the vision, I think, has to be so complete for it to work. And this is an issue with all of the Gundam series, is they write these shows, and they're creating these shows, they putter along, they're going, they're going, they're going, and every single Gundam show in the middle of it has some drama between the studio and the writers or the animators, there's like all this like stuff going on and things get hairy and muddy. The best Gundam shows are the ones that are earnestly like under 12 episodes. Like all the, the zero eight MS team, Stardust memory, war in the pocket. Incredible. And like, I love the other ones, but like, it's like, get your shit together. I feel like in manga together, the reason this doesn't happen in manga in the same way is that when you are writing a manga, you are looking back at everything you have written and you are intentionally writing threads. There is not the same production process as a TV show that gets like, that has too much politics involved. If you write a manga, you're like one person writing this thing and maybe partnering with someone else who's, who's like illustrating it or something there's less moving pieces for things to get forgotten and when this like this show comes out every or came out week by week that's a lot of effort yeah and i it's frustrating because you know if it's a show like a a shonen that has a billion episodes you're like yeah they're gonna drag shit out they're gonna do you know what you're signing up for some stuff's not gonna pay off super well because it's a giant thing that's bigger than the author uh if it's something that's 12 to 24 episodes, I know that it, that is still a lot and that is still really hard. And so when stuff goes wrong, you still have to understand that this is not, you know, one person individually's fault or maybe no one's fault. It just doesn't work, whatever. But it is, it does not have the excuse of like, well, it's been going for so many years, it was going to get away from itself anyway. You had a specific end yep. f- time frame in mind. And I'm saying this criti- critical of the studio more than the writing team, because I don't think a writing team that knows what they're doing is going to lose sight of that goal. This is this is a things that are outside of your control fucking with your getting to your vision. Unless yeah. the writer's room were bad. Maybe they were. I don't know. Sometimes writer's rooms are bad. But... Something, some part of me thinks that what if I was going to plan out a se- a season, right? If I was like, we're getting 24 episodes and this is the whole show, yeah, I would, I would, I think we would spend weeks deciding how we want the show to flow, where we want to start, where we want to end, who are the characters, what are their individual like arcs, 
how we want to weave them together. And you'd have to start so big and then narrow it down. But they clearly lost track of a lot of this. And I mean, it still came out pretty good, but like the emotional, like gravitas of like the prologue, the earth episode, the squish episode, the squish moment. Yeah, it, there's a there's a more serious, upsetting show that just sort of lives in this school anime, but I don't mean that in a good way. It's like <laughs> we see it four times. It's not enough to push push it through. And if the show was, if there had, I thought the squish moment, I thought that was going to be a switch flip. Yeah, I thought did. the second, if the second half was all that tone, incredible. Just I don't know. It's very frustrating because yeah. it's. Uh, it's when like we, right there. When we first saw it, and you texted me about what you thought about it, and you were like, Silette is a weapon now. Did we get a payoff on that? No. Nope. But was that the proper conclusion to draw from that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, those are all our thoughts. <laughs> yeah. One more thought. I think I th- found an idea for our pilot. <laughs> what? Okay. Blade Runner-esque world? Sitcom. Oh, a Blade Runner. <laughs> Do you want to write this with me? I'm actually serious. Oh my God, dude. A cyberpunk sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Seinfeld, but like Blade Runner. I th- dude, that'd be... <laughs> TMTM? <laughs> I don't know where to start we'll either, see. but do you want to give it a shot? <laughs> we'll see. Dude, all I ever... The only thing I actually want to write in my lifetime is a Christmas movie. Hey, who says this doesn't play, take place at Christmas? I don't hey, know. who knows? <laughs> it's, it's always Christmas in the cyberpunk future because it is the height of capitalism or whatever. <laughs> actually, oh, that's actually a good detail. It's always Christmas here. Yeah. <laughs> then everything is creepier. All right. Well, I got to sign off. I got to I gotta run. Right. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for following us on our Watch for, or Witch for Mercury adventure. Um. Yeah, patreon.com slash watchformercury and watchformercury at gmail.com. This week is just a Watch for Mercury episode, or Wish for Mercury episode. Next week is our Akira episode. Yes, and we still need one more thing to to uh, to fill the third and week. And a secret third thing, secret which we'll decide thing. later. Unless I don't finish the book in time, and then maybe it'll be a secret second thing, and we'll do Akira third. Who's to say <laughs> I am a slow reader? So... Awesome. Well, We'll guys, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. May your shield be an unpromised, a promised but not delivered on amount of guns.